Natasha McCaskill here, creator of Black Girls in Media. Black Girls in Media is a professional networking organization created to support and uplift minority women in the media industry. This podcast is brought to you as an extension of Black Girls in Media to continue to share the stories of your favorite media trailblazers, to provide insight on what it takes to break into the media industry and so much more. We hope you all enjoy the show. Please subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Share with your friends and rate us as well wherever you listen to us. Let's get into the show. Hey, everyone. So we are kicking off Black Girls in Media, the podcast first episode with my good friend, Asia Malaya. She motivates me daily. She's just a great person all around and I'm pretty sure you all know her, but if you don't, um, Asia Malaya is currently living in New York. She is the editorial assistant at Teen Vogue, and she is she went to Hampton University, so any Hampton alumni in the building, um, you know, shout y'all out. But yeah, so I will let her tell you more about her, and we're just going to talk about her journey, everything she's working on. She's just an awesome person, and I'm glad to have her in my circle, and I'm glad to have her on the show to share her story. So, hi, Asia. Hi. I'm so excited to be on today. Yes, thank you. So, how are you holding up? How are you feeling? I'm cool. I'm good, you know, just taking it one day at a time during this weird, very weird period in life, but... um. I'm cool. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, same. Just taking it day by day, uh, trying to, you know, just come out of all of this alive and well. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Are you still going into the city right now or pretty much the Absolutely not. (laughs) Um, This has actually been my fourth week, I believe, working from home. I think I'm wrapping up the fourth week working from home. Um, We started before everybody else Mm -hmm. um i think like march 10th somewhere around there we started working from home so i haven't been to the city in just about a month Mm. um it's not i don't mind it because i live so far from the city so not having the commute actually does a lot for my mental health um but yeah, it's still, even just being, I was at the supermarket today and just seeing everybody with like masks and the gloves on, it's very weird. It's it's very weird. So you like not having to go to the city or you mean like affecting your mental health in a bad way? No, I like not having to go to the city. It, it, yeah. it uh, Like the commute, because my commute is so long, it can just feel like draining. Like even going to events after work, a lot of times I'll feel like, oh, do I really want to go? Because I know, like, unlike my coworkers, like, I can't just, like, hop on one train or I can't just take a 20-minute car ride. It's like, no, I'm actually going to be taking an hour car ride or I'm going to have to take a train to a car. So not having to deal with that commute, just, it makes me feel better. So mm-hmm. I, I, I don't mind working from home because of that. Good. See, yeah, I know there are a lot of upsides to this situation. So we're just Mm going to focus on that and, you know, just push through. But um, yeah, so I want to basically take 
everyone to day one of Asia's life. So you can go back as far as you would like. Um, but yeah, just tell us about you, like childhood um, or elementary, like when you started to find interest in what you're doing now. Um, yeah, so you can just go ahead and as far as back as you want to take us to the life of Asia. <laughs> wow, day one. Like, I feel like I have so many day ones. Um, I have like, you know, day one of just realizing what I want to do day one of just life. Like when you said elementary, I'm like, whoa, but I'll take it back there. I'll take it back there. Um, I'll take it all the way back. Um, so I'm, I'm an only child. I'm an only child to my mom. Um, but I do have other siblings for my dad. We were raised together. Um, the majority of my life after my parents got divorced when I was about four or five years old, it's just been me and my mom. Um, still have a great relationship with my siblings, but that, that was my, that was my childhood growing up. Um, I skipped kindergarten, which is something I, I usually don't tell people. It's like a very weird thing, but because of that, I've always been ahead of a grade. So I started first grade when I was five years old Mm -hmm. and I went to private school, went to private school all my life up until high school okay. um yeah so that a little bit of my childhood I grew up in south side Jamaica Queens still live here um I go hard for it I'm, I'm very Queens girl to the day I died a lot of people it's so weird a lot of people don't know I'm from New York they always ask like oh how was the transition going from like Hampton to New York I'm like honey I'm a, I'm a Queens girl like I'm from here hey yeah <laughs> So, yeah, I was born and raised here, uh, not like, you know, not the very, like, privileged life. Like, I'm very grateful for the life I have, but it was it's not like, you know, I, I did grow up in Southside. Um, I was a dancer for a lot of my childhood, which is another thing a lot of people don't know about me. I danced for 10 years. I started when I was four years old. I danced up until I was 14 years old. Um, I, like, used to go to Disneyland and, like, even dance in parades there. Wow. I used to do dance competitions and everything. That's, like, a little secret. People don't really know about me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that was, like, most of my life, my childhood. I was a big dance girl and uh, went to private school most of my life. Like I said, I was always, like, the youngest per. I was the youngest person because I skipped a grade, but I was always just that very – mature girl I was the mature friend know my friend groups all of that uh and high school was my first school that I went to that wasn't a private school it was a public school I went to Academy of American Studies which that was like I think that started to really be the transition into like going into who I am because that was my first time not being around friends um all my friends went to a different high school I was really heartbroken I went to like this unknown high school but that was like the Asia, like, coming out of the hood type of thing. Um, I learned a lot about myself. I was, it was a predominantly white school. Mm. You know, it was just a very different scene for me. But I think that's when I really started to just, I started to really learn my passions. Like, I really fell in love with fashion then because I wore uniform all my life. And that was the first time 
that I could really dress and I could express myself, you know, when everybody would come to school wearing the sweatpants and all of that. I was the girl who was wearing like Forever 21 blazers. Right, you're like, I'm about to shine, okay? <laughs> yes, like my blazer matched this. It was the same color as my Uggs. Like I was that girl. Um, it's so funny. I even, I will never forget one of my teachers, I think it was my 10th grade teacher. She told my mom, she's like, you know, Asia, she failed me because of this. She failed me in English class because she said, she told my mom, she's like, Asia comes in to class and you know, her eyeshadow matches her purse and her purse matches the shirt. And so I know that like she can apply herself to what she wants to, but she's not basically given the same energy in my class. And because she knew that I could, because she saw it somewhere else, she failed me. It's crazy. But yeah, I was just, I was, I was that beauty girl. I loved doing my makeup. Um, Like I'd be tight going to gym class because I'm gonna mess up my makeup. Like that, that was me. Um, And I had a journalism class in, what was it? My senior year, I had a journalism class and I'll never forget. This was the field trip that changed my life. Uh, we went to People Magazine and People Style Watch was around at the time. And I remember they brought us around to the closet for People Style Watch, the fashion closet. And I remember seeing the girls in there with all the clothes and like asking them what they do. And one of my classmates, she was like, you know, Asia, I can really see you doing this. And she was a white girl and she's my friend. And I was like, you know, yeah, like it seems like something I would love to do, but nobody here looks like me. Everybody here looks like you. Mm-hmm. Like it was straight white girls, you know, they were skinny. It, it, it was cool and I love to see it, but I didn't realistically see how something like that could work for me because even when they had us in the newsroom, like there was no one that looked like me. And that was, I don't know, that was like 2012, 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was just, you know, that's when I kind of realized like, wow, this is what I want to do. Even when I was in journalism class and I would be writing, I loved it. I was like, this is what I want to do. But like, how do I do it? Like, is this even real? Right. Um, and so when, you know, it was time to go to school and it was time to go to college, I knew I wanted to get out of New York. You know, like I said, like my mom made sure I had an amazing childhood. Like she took care of me. I have an amazing mom. I love her so much. But I wanted to get out of the hood. Like I just, I wanted more for myself. Um, and I also knew I wanted to go to historically black college because being at a predominantly white school, like I said, I did learn a lot about myself. I felt like it really pushed me out of my comfort zone, but I was like, this is going to be my life for the rest of my life. Like at least for these next four years, like I want to experience what it's like to just be around black people. Right. Um, Right. And so I had a cousin who went to Hampton. She dropped out, but she went to Hampton and she would always rave about it. And so I said, hmm, you know, maybe I can try Hampton. And then I said, well, what about Howard? Because Howard was a little closer. Um, But then I felt like I had to be a type of girl to go to Howard. And I just felt like at that time I wasn't that type. Uh, And for people who, you know, went to Howard, I feel like, you know, that type that I'm talking. It's just like a certain type. And Spelman was like too far. And so Hampton just kind of felt perfect. 
Um, so I started Hampton in August 2013. And the interesting part is when I enrolled in Hampton, I was an education major because I didn't believe in myself that I could really do the magazine thing because like I said, I didn't see anybody that looked like me. And I was like, this is going to be super competitive. And I had always, that's another thing I, I, I didn't add in high school. I, I always had a job. Like I had been working since I was 14 years old. Like as soon as you get working papers, even before that, my mom was like, you're not going to be sitting in this house all summer. You don't want to go to summer camp. You're going to have a job. Like I would volunteer at the daycare I went to. Like I would tutor kids. Like I would do anything I could to make money. I was always been a hustler. And so when I went to college, I felt like because all my experience had been working with kids, like I kind of just settled for education. Um, and my second semester in school, I realized like, are you really going to do four years settling for something that you don't really want to do? Like, you know what it is you want to do. You know, it's competitive and you just kind of have to go for it. And I changed my major in my second semester of college, and I just told myself, like, you have to decide to commit to this. Like, if this is what you want to do, just commit. And I remember that summer, I couldn't get an internship, but I was like, it's fine. I'm going to get a retail job, and I'm just going to do great in retail. And it was my first retail job, but I was like, it's fashion. Like, I can learn about different trends. Like, I just wanted, I just wanted to get my hands, like, dirty in something um and the next summer i i had two internships i was interning for college fashionista and i was interning for a brand adium they were both unpaid and i was like it's fine went back to retail i was working at banana republic to make money um i was just again like from when i was young i was just hustler 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 like i just was gonna make a way out of no way um, and then the following year, I interned at a radio station in New York, Hot 97. And then I became an Essence College ambassador. I got to like so articles. Were you still majoring in education or had you made that? No, I made the change. This was by the time I was with, with Essence, that was my junior year. Uh -huh. I switched my major from education freshman year, second semester. Okay. Yeah. So once, once I changed, that's when I started working in retail and all, like I just committed. Right. Um, right. so ma majority of the time I was, I was strategic communications major. Um, and I switched my minor a few times at first it was like, it was like drama or something like that. Cause I was like, Oh, like I can take some costume design classes. And then I had to like take an improv class and I was like, Oh, I'm not trying to be no actor. Like this is not what I'm doing. Uh, and I ended up majoring in English because I was just like, yeah, I love clothes. I love fashion. I love beauty. I love all of this. But um, like the writing is what matters. So I ended up minoring in, in English. Um, and then, wow, this is, I feel like I'm just going on and on, but I'm almost done. <laughs> I keep going. Um, and so, yeah, by junior year, I, I felt like, wow, when I landed, the position with Essence as a college ambassador, I think I was 18 years old. And that was like amazing to me because I remember my goal, actually, when I switched my major, I told myself, I was like, okay, you're going to switch your major and you're going to work for Essence magazine. And I didn't expect it 
to happen in like two years. So it was a lot. I was like, wow, like I'm 18. Like this is like a dream brand. And I was like, wow, well, like where do I go next type of thing? Uh, so I made amazing relationships while I was there. I did a lot of good work. Um, and from there, it was, I entered my senior year. And I was just like, okay, this, this is it. Like, I didn't want to work at Essence after because I felt like I had that experience and I wanted to do something else. Um, and I was just, that is when I really was like, okay, I'm just going to dedicate everything to my dreams. And so I left school for like two weeks, my last semester of school. I ended up working uh, with New York Fashion Week. And that was an amazing opportunity went back to school and I was just like, okay, like, what am I going to do next? What am I going to do next? And I had a big sister at Hampton who had interned at InStyle before me, the, the, I think like the summer before that. And when she asked me, you know, what am I doing after graduation? I was like, I don't know. And she's like, well, InStyle is always looking for interns, you know, send me your resume. Sent her my resume and Funny enough, I got an email that I got the internship after interviewing and everything. I got an email that I got the internship the same day that I had landed in New Orleans for I was working my first Essence Festival. Um, again, from like having amazing relationships at Essence, I had told them like I wanted to work Essence Fest. That was like a huge dream of mine. And like two weeks before uh Candace who's like one of my mentors she texted me and was like you're gonna be working with me like they're gonna reach out to you and I cleared out all of the money I got for graduation to fly myself out there to put myself in a hotel like I found people to room with and yeah and I found out the same day that I landed that I had the internship at InStyle so I worked all throughout Essence Fest came home I had a month to myself before I started InStyle and my first day of InStyle, there was three, I mean, it was three new people starting, three interns. And there was one person who was going to be with the editor-in-chief. And the other two were going to just be, like, on the reporting side. And by God's grace, I ended up being the intern for the editor-in-chief. And I stayed there for, I was at InStyle for, like, 14, 15 months before I just felt like I was tired and it was my time to move on. Um, and I left, I walked away, I took a leap of faith with nothing set up. And for three months, I had nothing before last January ending up at Team Vogue. And so my story is still being written, but that's like, woo, from the day one to now, kind of what, um, what it's been for me. And right. That's amazing. Cause just like hearing from day one and just hearing your story, I can see like little patterns. So would you say like when you made that transition from education to pursuing what you really wanted to do, was that period like your first time experience? Cause it seemed like your childhood, you had a lot of confidence just because, you know, you grew up dancing and you grew up just from a great household. So you like grew up with confidence, but would you say that when you decided to just settle for education, was that your first time experiencing kind of like self self doubt, would you say? Um, I would say yeah, on, on that level. Yeah. 
Because I think, I mean, even as a dancer, there were times that I I weren't like always, I wasn't always confident because like, I was always like, you know, I was bigger than the rest of the girls who used to dance. So I used to feel some type of way that like I looked different and things like that. But on a level of like passion, um, yeah, I will say that was the first time like I really like self-doubted myself and didn't believe that like, girl, like you can do this. Right. And then you had to overcome that and then you overcame it and now look at you. And then also, you know, you started manifesting at a young age. You said like, I'm going to work at Essence and then you manifested that. Yeah. So that's amazing. And then you also started using connections early, like college and your little sister or your big sisters putting you on opportunities. So you're already like making connections at a young age too. So I'm just seeing like, small patterns of like things that can really put you to where you want to be so it's really cool seeing that happen at a young age for you yeah even even team vogue getting into conde was a connection a friend i had that was like you know when i told her i was leaving insta and she's like send me your resume um i've always been about you know i keep genuine connections in my life i'm not the type of person who i don't just i don't i'm not the type of person who i like just keeping people around for like what they can do for me mm-hmm. I just enjoy having genuine connections with people and it's paid off in my life right yes that's awesome so I guess what would looking back and now you're no, you know you're telling your story and you kind of like you know your story is your story but you don't realize how far you've came until you kind of say the timeline so I'm sure like, you're not like wow I came a long way so what would you say from all of that was your biggest obstacle to overcome? Woo, so many obstacles. But you're right. Saying all of that, I'm like, woo, this, this is a lot. Like, I have come a long <laughs> yeah. way. Um, you know, to be honest, my biggest obstacle, before any of this industry stuff, my biggest obstacle was going away to school. You know, like I said, I am an only child. Like, I have a really close relationship with my mom. And my whole first semester away at college, I cried almost every night. And uh, I would call, even my mom to this day tells me, like, how it would break her heart. Because I would call her crying and just say, I want to come home. And I would be in tears so much that I wouldn't have any other words to say. So I would just, like, hang up on her. And then I didn't even know how, like, that was hurting her because then she was, like, crying, like, what's going on? Um, It was really hard. I was really homesick. You know, Virginia is really different than New York. And I didn't think I was going to make it. And I was, like, applying to different schools. I was, like, I'm transferring next semester. It was really hard. And like I said, I had a cousin who went there, and she had dropped out. And I felt like I don't want to disappoint my family in the same way. You know, I'm the first person in my family to graduate from college. And so I, it was, it was really hard. So I would say um, that just like leaving home, leaving the nest, that was a huge obstacle for me because I honestly feel like dealing with that, like dealing with being there and like, there's nothing you can do. Like you're here, deal with it. Like it really it forced me to grow up and it forced me to just look at things differently. Like that was the time when I realized like, yo, are you about to be here and settle for education? Like that was the time where I just learned a lot of different things. And, um, 
it speaks to just like, you know, sacrifices. And I feel like I've, I've been sacrificing like my career and everything. Um, so I, I feel like that was a very pivotal time, but that was a huge obstacle I had to deal with. Right. And I feel like that's not talked enough because just the pressure of, I know me, I went, I lived in New York too. So I dealt with a lot of homesick. So I can definitely feel where you're coming from um, all the way from North Carolina to New York, not having family, but it's so hard as a black person trying to break those, you know, generational curses. So you're making these sacrifices, you're leaving home, but then you feel so many emotions. Like you feel like you're neglecting your family. And then it's just so many emotions come with that when you're just trying to be great, but it's so important to your journey to make those leaps of faith like that. Exactly. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a weird feeling, definitely, especially like being at HBCU. I wanted to go to HBCU so bad and I got there and it's like everybody's black, but just because somebody's black doesn't mean you're, you're automatically like just cool with everybody. Like I felt like I had to find my place. Like it's just, it's, you know what I mean? It's like moving anywhere, you know, it's, it's not always what it seems. Right. How was Hampton? Did you like it? Was it your best choice and your best decision? Um, definitely. I definitely think it was my best choice. Uh, I'm, I loved it, but I grew tired of it after a while because Hampton can feel like a bubble. Like, even like, you know, being popular and stuff, being, uh, I was in the student leadership program, like everything, being known, it's cool, but... I feel like a lot of people, I was stuck with a lot of people who were just like stuck in a bubble. And I remember always being focused on the bigger picture. Like even when I had started, like I told myself my freshman year, I had deleted my old Instagram. I made it a whole new Instagram. And I was like, I want to start branding myself. Like I want to post my outfits. Like this is like when, like I think around the time blogging was like really becoming something. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, you know, this is just what I want to do. And I remember I didn't care about like everybody else cared about like being like that, like, I don't know if I curse. Well, yeah, this is me. (laughs) Everybody was focused on being like that bitch on Hampton's campus. And I was just focused on being that bitch. Like it was bigger to me than campus. Um, So I did love it, but there were, there were a lot of times where I just felt like I, I was just, I was still young. Um, and still trying to, you know, be a cool college girl. But there was always that, like, mature Asia, like, you are, like, you're way outside of this bubble. And uh, I just knew I wanted. You knew there was more than just that bubble. Yeah, you were just always ahead of your time. Exactly. Nice. So what – you've overcome all of these obstacles. You're working – at Teen Vogue, inspiring so many people. What is it like current day, your day-to-day at Teen Vogue? What are you, what is your staff like? I know you have a great relationship with your boss and the, your coworkers and all that. So just take us to like today's world. So it's, there's no like regular day-to-day there. Like I can say that every day is different. Every day is different. Um, one day could be like 
you know, strictly just like managing Lindsay's calendar to make sure her meetings are on schedule while I'm also like writing a beauty story. Um, and also like on the phone with travel, making sure like her flights are good for the next few weeks. Um, there's no typical day. I could also be like on a shoot. I could be traveling. Like there's, there's literally no typical day. And I think that is what, um, that's what I love so much. Like a lot of times, like there's events in the morning, there's events at night. You see different people every single day. Right. Um, so yeah, there's, there's no day to day, but that's what I love. But I do have a great relationship with Lindsay. Um, I'm so grateful for her. I love her. She's literally like, uh, the best boss anybody could ask for, especially like a young black girl coming into the industry. Like I couldn't have imagined having a better boss than her. Yeah, that's such a blessing. I know we were, you and I were talking about that, you guys' great relationship and how blessed you are because a lot of people experience this working with Black women, even though we like to have events and brunches and say, you know, Black women together, things in that nature. A lot of people, when you talk to them and they've worked with a Black woman, it has been some kind of negative experience and um, competition or attitudes and I felt like I wasn't welcome things like that so to see you two's relationship is just very refreshing um, and it gives us hope that we can work together and not compete and really learn from each other right thank you yeah of course so what would you tell you know 17 year old Asia what would you in that show have to tell her Ooh. so 17 year old Asia was that same Asia that went away to school I went to school when I was 17 mm-hmm. um and so honestly I would tell 17 year old Asia that was crying every day the first thing honestly that I would say is fuck man like at 17 years old, I just thought I was so in love and that that, like, mattered. Like, no, the first thing I would say is, like, forget that. Like, if you know it's your career that you want to do, like, keep focusing on that. Um, and I would just tell myself to stay patient. I think a lot of times I just wanted things to happen so quickly. Like, I changed my major, and it's like I wanted an internship the next day, and it's like it doesn't happen like that like just slow down um so yeah that's the the first absolute first thing is like don't be focused on boys because at, like I said at 17 like I I literally thought like I was I was about to be married in a few <laughs> years and like huh right. what a joke um no and I honestly feel like if I would have stayed in that little bubble of love like don't get me wrong black love is a beautiful thing but it was, for me, it was to the point where I feel like it could have, like, taken me off track. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, just being patient. Like, be patient. Like, everything absolutely will work out as long as you're putting in the work. Right. Yeah. And then some, it says a lot about you that, you know, you dropped everything and went to that opportunity that came to you. So what what would you say are, like, your three strongest qualities you think someone if somebody looks up to you what would you say like the three strongest qualities that they should try to possess um 
Uh, mm -hmm. The first one definitely would be work ethic. Uh, I think that a lot of everything I've done comes from having a strong work, work ethic. Um, and I always say, like, I always tell people my work ethic is, like, unfuckable. Like, you may be able to do X, Y, and Z. I don't care what you can do. You cannot outwork me. And so I think having a strong work, work ethic is definitely a quality you should have. Um, be humble because anything you have, anything you have can be taken mm -hmm. from you at any second i mean literally be humble because if you're not life will humble you quick quick <laughs> quick girl <laughs> uh and another quality uh be nice to people you know i think that there's just so many people who they reach a certain level and they're just mean people and like, I know, like, I can have a bad attitude sometimes. Don't get me wrong. I can take credit for that. But I just, I know what it's like to be in a position to want, like, want something so bad. And people that you feel like can, like, help you or anything like that are just not nice. Uh, I just think being nice takes you so far. I feel like that can go along with being humble. I have one more, and that's confidence. Your confidence can also just, like, take you so far if you have i mean confidence to like network confidence in your brand confidence when you step in a room like people can feel that so mm -hmm. those would be all the qualities that i would say right and when you're in that room it's important to know like you deserve to be there so how can if someone listening to this you know doesn't have the confidence they're working on it what are some things they can do to work on their confidence or show confidence if they walk into that room you know, that's something I struggle with a lot. I think, to be honest, a lot of it is, like, if you have a good support system around you, like, they will reinforce you that, like, no, you deserve to be here. I remember my first um, Fashion Week show, I had a seat because I had went for InStyle. I had a seat, and it was a show. Like, all these celebrities, I was, like, sitting right across from Nicki Minaj, like, it was, it was huge, and, um, I had another job at the time, and I remember that boss, like, she didn't have a seat, um, never nice to me, and I, I was, I was still, like, I was an intern, um, and I remember just, like, saying to my friends after, like, I felt like, how do I even belong in this room, like, there's so many people in the industry, it's all these celebrities, like, this is such a huge show, and I had a seat, and there's people that, like, I look up to that don't even have a seat, like, how do I belong here? And I just remember, like, all my close friends and everything who I was telling, they're like, Asia, you deserve to be there. Like, stop questioning it. Like, a lot of my confidence, like, I will say, comes from having my support system back me up. Because whenever I talk myself down, they're the first ones, like, cut it. Like, cut that now. And I appreciate that because I'm actually that friend for a lot of my friends. Like, they talk down and I'm like, shut up, take that energy off my phone. So it's nice to have that energy reciprocated. So I really would say um, for me, like the boost of confidence, a help really does come from having a, an amazing support system around you. Right. Because they see things sometimes, especially when you work so hard and you come so far, you only know yourself. So sometimes 
we should just be a little nicer to ourselves because, and then sometimes it takes that circle to make you see things you don't like, girl, do you not see where you are right now? Like, yeah, you are that bitch. So yeah, get y'all a good circle. Um, and what's your favorite quote and why? My favorite quote to this day is, I don't know who said it, but this is my favorite quote is you won't always be motivated so you must learn to be disciplined and i'm a person where i i really struggle with discipline like i have to pray for strength i have to pray for willpower and that quote just means so much to me because it's like i feel like everybody thinks that you know you see social media you see these pretty images and you think that everybody's just always motivated every single day. You know, people, even myself, like I always post positive quotes and stuff, but like the truth is like every day I'd be like, Ooh, girl, I'm laying in the bed. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Even, even with the gym, like it's, it's like some days I wake up and I'm not motivated. Like I actually don't feel like doing anything, but when you can master in your mind being disciplined, I feel like you are a part of another percentile of the world, honestly. And I feel like, I mean, that's with the gym, that's Mm -hmm. in career, that's in your personal life. Like you have to realize and accept, like, I won't always be motivated and that's okay. I'm not always going to wake up being motivated, but I have to tap into my mind to know that if I'm disciplined, I can accomplish whatever I put my mind to. And I think um, for me, that has helped me a lot because there's some days I will wake up, like I said, and I'm just not motivated at all. And I still tell myself, like, okay, well, you know, you still have to do X, Y, and Z. Like, discipline makes all the difference. I mean, because discipline is, like, it's sacrifices, you know? Right, showing up when you don't even want to. Exactly. I mean, and there, that's even, like, there's times when I was interning. Like I said, I wasn't getting paid and stuff like that. I was still showing up. I wasn't motivated some of them days. Like, I still got to travel all the way to the city, go here, do this stuff. I'm tired of these people. I know they're going to send me here. It's the middle of the summer. It's 100 degrees. Like, (laughs) but, I mean, when you see and you know the bigger picture and you discipline yourself, like, Mm -hmm. there's another life waiting for you on the other side. And um, so that's why that's my favorite um, quote. Wow. Well, I think this is good enough. I think that, you know, what you do and the gems that you just dropped, it just says a lot about you. And it just shows why you have this life that you have. And I know that you haven't even reached your level, your fullest potential yet. And that's what's the most exciting about following your journey and just knowing you. So, and I'm you just motivate so many of our audience and black women in the media industry. So I know that um, this is just the best episode to kick it off with. So I just want to thank you so much for being on here and sharing this. Of course. Thank you for having me. Uh, I really enjoyed this. Yes. So you can let everyone know if they don't follow you already, which I doubt, (laughs) let everyone know where to find you, connect with you and other things and projects you're working on if you want to share. Um, yeah, everyone can follow me on Instagram, Miss Asia Malaya, M-I-S-S-A-S-I-A-M-I-L-I-A. Um, 
you can follow my work on teenvogue.com um, where I'm, I'm really trying to tap into doing more beauty, which is interesting because the, the a lot of my journey has been like fashion, fashion, fashion. I want to do fashion. And now I'm at this point in my life where I'm realizing I'm actually more, I don't want to say more passionate, but I, I am learning my passion for beauty and I'm educating myself on it a lot more. So look out for that. Nice. Yeah. Nice, nice. So I'll put her info in the show notes. So yeah, follow her, follow her journey and connect with her. Send her a message. Let her know how or what you learned from this episode and um, let us know as well. Make sure you rate us on Radar Show and just let everyone know about Black Girls in Media, the podcast, because we're going to have some more of your favorite media industry babes on here. So thank you again, Asia. And I look forward to seeing you soon when all of this is over. <laughs> thank you. Same, because I'm pretty sure I would have been in LA one of these days. I know. And the weather's warming up. So Soho House again. <laughs> yes, we need it. We need it. <laughs> yes.